This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report, episode 255 on a brisk and cold and windy and shitty, well, not too shitty, Thursday, January 11th, 2024. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my loquacious co-host, Trevor Hewlin. Jerry Stackhouse, you hear that? Yeah. Loquacious? Yeah, Yeah. big words, Jerry. Big words. You guys know what that means? Out there, loquacious. It's like a. Ex- is it like voluptuous? No, excessively talkative oh. is what loquacious means. <laughs> I did not know that. I only know that because uh, I very vividly remember my. I think it was my English teacher, my senior year in high school, using that word and explaining what it meant. So when I heard Jerry Stackhouse use the quote, "We don't have a loquacious defender." My my eyes popped out a bit because I was like, you don't have a guy that talks, but whatever. We'll get to that later in the episode. Here at the Door Report, we are powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623. Or you can reach out to Corey via email at Corey Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Trevor, we have a beefy episode 255. And mm-hmm. I and uh, how are the vibes currently? Because I'm about to get into why I might sound a little funky right now. I think I'm holding it together a little My, vi- my well. vibes are good. My vibes are good. I've had a long day. We... School is back in session. We just got back from class. As soon as I got back from class, we opened up the laptop and said, time to record. <laughs> this is for you all. This is for you all. Anybody that questioned our grit. God forbid we have a, we have a, a mental health week of sorts. Was, God forbid we enjoy the holidays. Terms. Don't use the term mental health. <laughs> it was a holiday break. It was just a holiday break. If, if we would have used mental health break, I would have shut down the podcast. <laughs> We've never taken a break for mental health ever. In fact, at our lowest points of mental health, yeah. we have hopped on a recording. Actually, podcast. actually, at our lowest points of mental health, we've said we need to record right now. We said, "Fuck it, we ball." We 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 haven't said no. We need to put this off. Whenever we are at our worst, is whenever we're like, we need to record right now. So, on Monday, or actually on Saturday morning, I woke up a little bit under the weather. Sunday got a little worse. Monday was even worse. <laughs> Tuesday, I finally said, okay, what what the heck's going on? And, and Trevor, I've told you since you are my roommate mm-hmm. and co-host, 
I've got the C word. I've got C19. I don't know if we get censored for or like put on a list for saying the full COIVID. I think if they did, it I actually think, I, is. Think, I think it would definitely say like for more information on the vaccine. Can I even say that word? The B, we've B already word? Said, we've already said I've vaccine, already said so it, screw it. It would just say it would just say for more information on the on the C19 vaccine. <laughs> I tested visit uh, this link. I tested myself on Tuesday, even though I guess everybody just decided it doesn't matter anymore. But I tested myself. I have COVID. Uh, so I am working from home currently. And the world no longer stops when you have COVID. No one cares anymore. I just work from home and I'm recording the podcast. So if you hear my voice break or uh, if I'm a little foggy or say some dumb things, I've been living off Dayquil. And nasal spray and NyQuil and NyQuil. NyQuil has been allowing me to sleep at night. So my sugar-free brain, Gatorades as well. This is the first day. Actually, I have a beer next to me. So any nurses or doctors in the very intelligent TDR listenership that we have, I know we have some out there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even saying that sarcastically. No, I mean, no, that, have, I mean, that actually seriously. Listeners. This is the first day I have not had to take cold medicine. So I'm allowing myself an ice cold beverage, a nice crispy boy, as I would not mix acetaminophen and beer slash alcohol, of course. But we have a locked and loaded episode two fifty five. Trevor, we're gonna get some opinions on some coaching legacies that are ending their careers. Some legendary coaches that are ending their careers. Did Jerry Stackhouse quit? Dear God, I wish. But unrelated to Vanderbilt, we will touch on that quickly. Vanderbilt women's basketball and Shea Ralph keep on rolling. I'm going to swing it to Trevor for all things women ba- women's basketball. <laughs> As he is once again, once again, made a promise on Twitter oh God. about our coverage on TDR. So apparently, <laughs> sorry, guys, we actually might not do better. Trevor, I'm sorry. Trevor will be providing updates on Vanderbilt women's basketball for the remainder of the season. I will. I will, I will do my hardest. Every single episode, I'm swinging it to Trevor to provide an update. So everyone out there, if you have complaints about our women's basketball coverage, at Hack Squat Jim Duggan, yeah. you can complain about it's, that. It's my fault. On the flip side of the coin, we also have an update on Vanderbilt men's basketball. Moving into double-digit losses in year five for Jerry Stackhouse. We also have some football staff updates that we will briefly touch on. Some solid pickups for Clark Lee, improving the experience on his staff. And then the bulk of episode 255 is going to be a brief recruiting slash transfer portal update on the class of 2024. We're not going to run through everybody on the list. But I think me and Trevor are going to dig into some of the top guys on the list and guys that will make an instant impact on this roster. But before we get into all that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. I want to reemphasize that next episode. I want to bring back reading five-star reviews. So oh, great idea. We got to do great that. I haven't done it in a while. Give us some off-season five-star reviews. Get creative. Let's see what you got. I'm sure there will be some funny ones for next week. But Trevor, it's now time for segment one.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Trevor, you ready to get into episode 255? Ready to roll. And at the end of January, we may have a new sponsor. Oh. So I reached out to Corey. May not be renewing. We'll see. But we do have a new sponsor on the horizon. Hey, thank you to Corey for, thank you for to Corey. keeping us afloat. Absolutely. Thank you to Corey. I reached out to him. Uh, we are forever, for, forever, forever indebted to Corey Parks. Yeah, of, Corey, or Corey, Corey Perkins. Corey Perkins. Corey Perkins of, of, Parks, of, Realty. of Parks Realty exactly. on Realtracks.com. Corey, we are still going to be powered and presented by Corey through January per the initial, initial agreement we had with Corey. But uh, we may have a new sponsor on the horizon, so be on the lookout for that. But Trevor... First, we had the NFL playoffs on the horizon. I wanted to get your opinion on what the old Eagles were going to do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their upcoming NFC wildcard matchup. I've never... How do I say this? I'm so not looking forward to Monday. I'm so not looking for... Like, I can't even get excited about the playoffs because I know what is inevitably going to come. I know that the Eagles are going to absolutely take a dump in their pants down in Tampa Bay. It's supposed to be like 99% rain. Um, offensive line as of late can't block. Run game's awful. They haven't used Jalen Hurts' legs. Uh, even if he could, even if it was a, a ideal game to where he could throw, he can't throw the ball right now. Um, He's practicing with a glove on his throwing hand, and that's my number one indicator if a quarterback is good or not. If they have a glove on their throwing hand, then you know they suck. I know that it's, he dislocated his finger. I don't care. Glove on the throwing hand, awful sign. I think the I think the worst part is I know that whenever we do lose to the Bucks, that Blake Fromang is going to have cooked up some 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 banger memes, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna want to enjoy them, but I'm gonna be so down bad. Like I'm just gonna be looking at my phone. I'm gonna be like, oh my god, I like. <laughs> I'm going to his memes are so good. And I'm like, man, I'm thankful for his memes. Also, what about Blake absolutely kicking the ass of the Vandy social media team? He pumps out like they're not low quality memes, but like compared to like the programs and like the technology that the Vandy social media team has. The, he's just he's he's literally taking a dump on Vandy social media teams. The creativity out of Blake is, is unparalleled. It's unparalleled. He He just has a phone. Yeah, he's doing. All he this. literally he's got the same he's phone got a we all have. Job and a phone and a wife. Yeah, and and a successful career in a <laughs> complex field. Yes, and he's just whipping everyone's ass. He's whipping our ass. We have to use a lot of it. Yes. Thank God he provides the door report with graphics. Should we just ask Blake if he wants to be a part of TDR? He basically he's I mean, basically yes. He's, he's he's a contract. He's an assassin. Should we put his uh, profile on the website? 
We'll have to ask Blake about that. Yeah, that would be his. Blake, it comes with zero compensation. No, I yeah, we have you. not collected a dime, actually. Uh, no, we. I, well, lose, I lose money yeah. on it, and everyone else involved makes no money. Yes, that is correct. This is a passion project. This is. So, there we go. Yeah, but I'm not looking forward to the memes that Blake is going to cook up come uh, Monday night. So, uh, my Monday night, uh, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, and then probably my Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that following Sunday are going to be hell on earth. Because Eagles football is the only thing that's really brought me joy in terms of sports this year. And to see the incredible downfall has has really hurt me in the brain area. I've watched a lot of NFL because my poor Tennessee Titans, even though they won the last week of the season, knocked the Jaguars out of the playoffs. I've watched a lot of other NFL teams, a lot of NFL red zone. Trevor's very negative on the Eagles. I still we think suck. I, and I'm not disagreeing with how they have played recently. I've watched quite a bit of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I see no way the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Buccaneers. We're going to lose. All right. We disagree. I don't think we're going to lose. I think they're going to kick our teeth in. I really think that. I, I This is more of a slight at the Buccaneers. A hobbled Baker Mayfield on an offense that already struggles to put up points. I just don't see them being able to score enough points. And I know the Eagles' offense is struggling. And our defense is maybe the worst in the NFL. That's not true. We but have the worst <laughs> defense in the NFL. Trevor. We do! We have, I swear to God, we have, we maybe have the worst defense in the NFL. Darius Slay is old. He needs to get put in a retirement home. And his na- next door neighbor needs to be James Bradbury. They freaking suck. The fa- And this tells me that the Pro Bowl is a total sham. The fact that they voted Darius Slay, just even as a reserve, is insane to me. Insane. Can we talk about the D? De- we won't talk about it too Kevin much. Kevin Byard this- sucks. Why did y'all give him us? You tried to tell me I that did. guy blows. He sucks. Trevor, at least he sucks. At least I have Trevor that has heard my takes on things that happened. Kevin Byard sucks. There are a lot of things I don't tweet about or or say too often, but I did tell Trevor. Kevin Byard has been a shell of himself this entire year. Y'all got hosed on that trade. Gosh. He he is a shell of himself. I love Kevin Byard. Local guy went to MTSU. I love what he did with the Titans when he was here. He was not the same player this season. He stinks. He as, stinks. As A.J. Brown said, you're a winner now, Kevin. Things are done differently. Here. Hey, no A.J. Brown slander. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Besides, he's better than Tyreek Hill. Besides the injuries and the fumbles and the drops. Well, he's, he's going to play. Okay. He's going to play. Yeah. He's better than Tyreek. Cancer to the locker room. But no, he's not. He's a great locker we gotta room get that, We got to get on because we oh. have another topic. As Phoebe oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Down. There's been some coaches that have decided to end their coaching careers. Some legendary coaches. Coaches of our childhood, really. Bill Belichick, done as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Known Vandy Boys fan. Yep. Pete Carroll, out as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Former USC head coaching legend. And the biggest, (laughs) Nick Saban. I thought you were going to say Mike Vrabel. Yeah, that's coming up. (laughs) Nick Saban has decided to retire as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's an interesting storyline to follow. Interesting with the recruits, interesting with the transfer portal. And also, Mike Vrabel has been ousted as the Tennessee Titans head coach. Trevor, you're not a Titans fan. What's your opinion on the Mike Vrabel firing? I know you're big on him. I think he sucks. I don't think he's good. And I, I understand that the Titans didn't have a good offensive line. The The offense was not great. 
The defense was not great. Um, I think he sucks. You're about to get the most boring take on the Mike Vrabel firing that you might hear anywhere else. He's about to be the head coach of the Patriots. Mike Vrabel being fired. Do I agree with the decision? Not necessarily. But on the other side, I have to defend the decision when I see the media and fan reaction acting like Mike Vrabel is Don Chula. Yeah. Mike Vrabel has won playoff games in one season when he was a head coach. And they were all in 2019. Mm-hmm. Other than that, every team he has coached has shit the bed when it mattered. And he's had two seasons, and I believe the Titans have the worst record in their past 28 games in the entire NFL, or one of the worst records. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that. Fell apart at the end of last season. It was due to injuries at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And then this year was an unmitigated disaster. The Titans were not in rebuild mode. A lot of it was due to offensive line and also injury issues. But it's not like Mike Vrabel has this gigantic history of past success as an NFL head coach. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily 100% agree with it, but I can understand why you would make that move when obviously Vrabel is a impassioned head coach that is probably not the easiest to maneuver and work with. Mm -hmm. So maybe the Titans are looking to move in a different direction. Mike Vrabel is not Don Shula. Mike Vrabel is not Bill Belichick. Chill out, everybody. The Titans franchise will be okay. I'll say this too, and and it might be counterintuitive to what I just said. I don't think Mike Vrabel is a good coach, but I'll say this. And you know I don't watch a ton of Titans football. I will say, though, every single day I listen to Nashville Sports Radio, so I hear a lot about Amy Adams Strunk. I hear all of her interviews, and I hear freaking everything Rand Carthon has to say. I don't think Mike Vrabel is the was the biggest problem no. in the Titans organization. Rand Carthon seems like the ultimate yes man to Amy Adams Strunk, and I just don't think she's a good owner. I'm on the fence about Amy Adams Strunk. Uh huh. Rand Carthon is dealing with a disastrous situation. John Robinson put him in. I also, I also. I mean, How do you feel about John Robinson, by the way? He was the worst drafter yeah. of a GM I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. I don't have his previous three or four seasons of one through three round draft picks pulled up in front of me. Also, no, when he traded A.J. Brown. Yeah. When you read through the list to draft Traylon Burks, yeah. and we see how that works out, Isaiah Wilson, the, the list goes on and on. When you go look up the list of draft picks the Titans had in rounds one through three under mm-hmm. John Robinson, yeah, it's disastrous. That's why the Titans are in the situation they are in. It's not Rand Carthon's fault. It's not really Mike Vrabel's fault. That's why I'm saying I don't necessarily agree or disagree with the decision. There's probably something more going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm, yeah, is my guess. So why does why does like Nashville media talk about Amy Adams Strunk like she's like Joan of Arc. It's crazy to me. I think it's I, dude. Brent Doherty literally talks about her like he's hit, like she's his mom. It's crazy. I don't get it. I think that I think there's a lot of weird things you get. Is you're you're seeing the Adams family. You're just seeing Vol fans. Yeah, is what you're seeing. You're seeing the full ten, the full spectrum of Tennessee sports fans. Yeah. Same thing with Mike Vrabel. I I kind of am on, in the middle about Vrabel. I don't love a lot of his in-game decision-making. I think he does a good job being a CEO of the team, mm-hmm. giving the team an identity regardless of the roster. 
the team seems to like him. The guys on the team seem to like him. Oh, Derrick Henry was pissed. Did you see that? Derrick Henry was very part upset. Of me, part of me thinks that had something to do with it. Oh, really? Not fully, but I doubt the Titans are going to re-sign Derrick Henry. That, yeah, that is true. That and is I true. would bet Mike Vrabel didn't like that. Yeah. So there, there's probably some things that Rand Carthon wants to do differently than have been done since Mike Vrabel got here. And maybe Vrabel was opposed to those things. And maybe it was just a split. So I'm in the middle. I don't understand the apocalyptic view that Titans fans have of this. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the franchise. It's fine. It's okay. Vrabel didn't win a Super Bowl for us. It's okay. The Titans will live on. But this is a Vanderbilt podcast. Let's go to Vanderbilt women's basketball, Trevor. Yes. Beat the Kentucky Wildcats in Lexington 95-73. to 73. To move to 16 and one on the season. 16 and one on the season. Go not girls, ranked, go. not ranked in the AP poll, ranked in the USA in, Today yes, poll. And the coach number 24 in the coaches poll. The doors are on their way to being ranked. The women are balling. Did you see how many assists they had on like 32? They had 23 assists on 32 shots at one point. I mean, talk about textbook basketball. 29 assists on the game overall. But that's crazy. I mean, that is basketball as James Naismith intended. And I've got to give a shout out. I didn't watch the game. I'm not going to lie to you, but I've got to I give a shout out to, I, to Ayanna Moore. 37 points tonight against Kentucky. So shout out Ayanna Moore. We will be giving updates, specifically Trevor. I will, will be giving you guys have you y'all have updates. my word. I promise the coverage will improve thanks to Trevor Hewlett. Yes, so. I will say a big caveat: they do play a lot of games on Thursdays, and I do have classes. I have a class from five to eight on Thursday. So, as you guys know, I was unable to watch because I was in class, but. I always got Twitter pulled up on my laptop, <laughs> so I can't watch, but I'm always reading. Moving to the other side of the coin, Vanderbilt men's basketball, since we recorded episode 254, has lost two straight games. Yeah. Lost by three points to Alabama, 78 to 75, and lost to LSU two nights ago, 77 to 69. The Jordan Wright revenge game, some might call it. There was a quote. I want to get to this early. Disappointing performances from the doors. They hung close. Mm. They kept it close. We're so back to moral victories, aren't we? It's so not sad. us, but it's so sad. Some but people. I do want to say to give defense to the Jerry Stackhouse defenders because, you know, I like to play devil's advocate. Do you see uh, Lisa Run even turned on Jerry Stackhouse during the LSU game? His most fervent defender has turned. She turned her back on Jerry Stackhouse. Get this guy out of Nashville. There, there are still a few defenders out there, few and far between. I am not one of them. But if you want to give any defense to a team that is 5-10 in year 5, 0-2 in conference, Alabama, in game 2 of their SEC schedule, beat South Carolina 74 to 47. I did see that game. And LSU in game one of their SEC gauntlet very handily beat Texas A&M. So both the teams Vanderbilt has lost to are 2-0 and in conference. We have a little spin zone going on right There's now? the spin zone. That's all zone. the spin zone you're going to get, but I gave it. So everybody out there heard I gave both sides to the coin. Trevor, is there any 
any hope for this team? What are we even watching for at this point? It's painful. I don't know what you guys are watching for because I'm not. And some of y'all are like, oh, support the boys. Dude, screw that nonsense. Support the boys. And I'm for NIL to an extent. Like whenever it first started, like I I do believe college athletes should should be paid. But dog, let's let's call a spade a spade. Don't hit me with the, oh, support the student-athletes. These guys make, like, triple my salary, more than triple, like, quintuple my annual salary. And, dude, these guys just go out and they don't even show half. Dude, screw that nonsense. I don't care about that. I don't don't care. I'm not watching. I'm not giving my time and my effort to watch a basketball program that doesn't give – their effort doesn't put in the time in the gym, doesn't put in the time in the weight room or in the film room. Why should I give them my time? I'm not I'm not watching Vanderbilt basketball. And I say this and, and you can feel and call me a liar. Fine. I don't care. I know me. I did not watch the Bama game. I did watch. I did not watch the LSU game. I didn't watch I did. the Bama game either. I think the last game I watched was you on the couch. Mm-hmm. But that was a non-con game. Um, I'm not watching Vanderbilt basketball anymore until Jerry Stackhouse. I don't care about Vanderbilt basketball. I see the tweets. If I see a tweet about Vanderbilt basketball, I just scroll past it. I don't care anymore. I think that's where a lot of Vanderbilt fans sit. And I think that that's hard for people to acknowledge that they've just lost a lot of fans. And this is a guy that hosts co-hosts a Vanderbilt podcast. We, I, we literally plan our week around a podcast and, I don't know about you, we'll get it, but like I just I don't care. I would much rather spend my time doing something else than watching Jerry Stack us and this team. I really would. I did watch both games. I did, unfortunately. But to get to the quote you were referencing there, I oh, think God, my was, sweet boy Tyron has turned yeah, his back on me. Billy Derrick, guest of the pod recently, also co-founder of TDR. Uh, tweeted out a quote from Tyron when asked about playing in front of the crowd that they saw versus Alabama. Tyron was quoted saying, we would like for more of our fans to be here. Screw you, Tyron. That, I'll just say it, that dude. quote. That. I understand the immediate quote. OK, I get that as a quote. And there were some replies and people disliking that there was hate related to that quote from Tyron. One said, check the replies and quotes. What's he supposed to say? We suck. Why was anyone here? Nah. What Tyron said was perfectly fine and fair. Where I disagree with that is Tyron is at an age where he could easily be playing in the NBA if he's a star and the star that he wants to be. He could easily be playing in the NBA. He's being compensated very well through name, image, and likeness. There was something wrong with what Tyron said. It lacked self-awareness. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that my Twitter bio is painfully self-aware. What Tyron Lauren should have said is, of course we would like to see more black and gold in the stands supporting us. This team has not put a product on the court that deserves fans being in the stands. We need to be better on the court and then we can worry about off the court. That could have been the quote. It acknowledges, of course, we would like to see more fans. Of course, we all know this. But the team is losing. Yeah. Understandably, at any level, even at the high school level, if you're winning, there will be more people in the stands. If you are losing, 
there's going to be a lot of empty bleachers. Yeah. That's how it is at every level. Amateur, semi-amateur at the college level and at the pro level. It's always like that. Mm-hmm. When and the stands will be packed. Yep. Fans will sit on milk crates to watch winning sports. Yep. And right now the Vanderbilt men's basketball program is just not doing that. It's and, just not winning. And dude, I hate that Cole because uh, yeah, we would like to see more fans in the stands. Dude, you got like Vanderbilt has a very like let's not pull any punch about Vanderbilt has a very wealthy donor base. A lot of Vandy fans are very wealthy. A lot of Vandy fans went to Vandy, have good paying jobs. Some some of uh, I'll include myself. I mean, I'm I get paid good money, but dude, you got Vandy fans out here that got bills to pay, that got kids to feed, that have like money just to barely enough money to keep the lights on. And what little money they do have, they save up to go to Vanderbilt football games, to go to Vanderbilt basketball games, to go to Vanderbilt baseball games. Dude, don't try and take these people's hard-earned money whenever you're not giving out a product like that. Dude, they have better things to spend their money on. I I, I hate that, dude. If you want people to spend their money on Vanderbilt basketball, you got to put in the work and then we'll come. That's it. It's simple. I don't want to attack that quote any further. There was another quote after the LSU game that bothered me a little bit. And maybe it's just because I'm a bit of an asshole. And that could be it. But Jordan Wright, after the game, Joey Dwyer tweeted this out from VandySports.com, this quote. So give him a follow. End quote. It was very important for me to get this win tonight. I really, really, really wanted this win. There was definitely extra motivation. I get it. It's playing your former team. But as Trevor spills some water off screen, barely barely. any, but Jordan Wright was not rode out of Nashville on a stake. No, Vanderbilt fans were very understanding of their former starter transferring in conference to his hometown team. I don't know why this is being spun as extra motivation as if Vanderbilt was overly harsh and critical as a fan base and attacking him. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I understand the extra motivation of playing your former team, but give a little acknowledgement to the fans that supported you. I I don't understand that quote at all. Um, I think if anything, that was probably related to Jerry stack. It had to be. I, yeah, I, that's how you took it. That's I took it as I hate that guy because, and that's understandable. Let's, I mean, we're not going to, there's dudes who get paid to put stuff on message boards. We're not going to like blatantly like coattail their stuff, but there were some rumors that it was a very, like it was a, it was a rocky relationship. And that parting of ways was uh messy to say the least. Could have been directed at stack. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, do you want to run through the stats here at all? How many, for, how for much did Jordan Wright score again? Uh, he had a pretty solid game. Jordan Wright, 15 points, 4 of 11 from the field, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Had a solid game. Uh, 4 Vanderbilt against LSU. Once again, Ezra Mignon, the leading scorer, 8 for 13 from the field, 19 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Van Allen Lubin and Tyron each had 11. Evan Taylor and Jason Rivera-Torres off the bench both had 10. Once again... And the last two games, as we said on episode 254, Jason Rivera Torres, special talent. Yeah, he's good. You didn't he's watch a Hooper. You didn't watch the games. No. I unfortunately did watch every <laughs> single second. 
Jason Rivera Torres is legit, and he's getting increasing minutes. He's getting more minutes. He played 25 or 26 minutes against uh, LSU, played 23 minutes against Ellis or against Bama. Good job, Jerry. Good job increasing Jason Finally Rivera-Torres. learning. Finally yeah. learning. There we go. Increasing his minutes. He's clearly an offensive weapon. I think he had 20 against Alabama. Yeah, he had 20 points against Alabama, 8 of 13 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3, 6 rebounds. Jason Rivera-Torres and Ezra Mignon, basically the lone bright spots on this roster this year. That's about all I have for Vanderbilt men's basketball. You want to take a quick little uh, TDR cocktail break before we dig into the football side of things to end episode 255? I will because I need to uh, replenish the water I just spilled. So everybody out there, grab yourself a cold one, and we will be right back. Welcome back from your TDR cocktail break, Trevor. We have some football staff additions to get to. Football! Football! Pow! This is what it's come to. We're talking football in January. Vandy boys, please save us. Please save us. Vandy boys. We really want to be digging into Vanderbilt men's basketball really badly, but nobody wants to hear that. I'm about to be so deep in Vandy boys baseball. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) We need that. Vanderbilt's made some staff changes. Hired Melvin Rice as an assistant safeties coach. Hired Stephen Gregory as an associate defensive coordinator. Hired Garrett Altman as an offensive analyst. Hired Ian Beers as an assistant director of football sports performance. Looks like a shaman. The shaman. That's the what shaman. I was the, the shaman. The shaman. But there's one hire in particular that I think caught the eye of a lot of Vanderbilt fans. Yep. Not just Vanderbilt fans, national yeah, media. nationally. And that's Jerry Kill, New Mexico State's head football coach last season, Conference USA head coach of the year. Legendary coach season. at Minnesota for the Golden Gophers. Hired on to Vanderbilt staff as a consultant. First off, I think a lot of people had the thought of why. Why, why is Jerry Kill taking mm-hmm. a consultant job after a very successful year as a head coach of New Mexico State being coach of the year of the conference? Beat the hell out of Auburn. Jerry Kill has had some medical issues in his past, including some seizures while he was head coach, had to take some time off coaching at different times, and I think this is a role that fits him well. Mm -hmm. But the incredible part of having him on the staff is the experience that Jerry Kill brings. I'm going to read through his head coaching resume, and it's going to blow your mind that Vanderbilt has this guy as a brain trust to go to for Clark Lee as a first-time young head coach, a relatively inexperienced and so far unsuccessful staff that's making changes. Mm-hmm. This is the most significant hire outside of Tim Beck this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. His tenure, uh, head coach at Saginaw Valley State, head coach at Emporia State, then moving up to the FCS level, head coach from 2001 to 2007 at Southern Illinois, then the head coach from 08 to 2010 at Northern Illinois, the head coach at Minnesota from 2011 to 2015, then the offensive coordinator QB coach at Rutgers, then assistant head coach at Virginia Tech, assistant head coach at TCU, interim head coach at TCU in 2021, head coach at New Mexico State 2022 and 2023, now a consultant on the Vanderbilt staff. It is going to be hard to find as Phoebe's messing with the toy. <laughs> You're not going to be able to hear it on the broadcast. But there, it sounds it like there's a bird in the apartment. It is. It's not going to be hard. It would be impossible 
to find another coach that you can hire on as a consultant onto your staff with that resume. And let's not brush past the TCU. Those are some damn good TCU teams. Those are some good TCU teams, too. Power five head coaching experience, recent success as a head coach, including experience with your probable backup quarterback Mm -hmm. in blaze berkowitz yep your new offensive coordinator has continuity with tim beck home run hire for vanderbilt yeah absolute slam dunk grand slam it's incredible to be able to come on here and glaze something that the vanderbilt athletic department has done so good everything we do feels like just shitting on every move they make so i'm happy to be able to come on here and say good decision yeah great hire Absolutely slammed. And, and shout out to Brad Spielberg of uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, big Bandy fan. Follow him on Twitter. Um, Vanderbilt alum, I believe. Uh, he made a great tweet today in, in, in response to the Jerry Kill hire. And he said, coming off, a, as this bird is driving me freaking insane. Whenever I'm done with this, I'm going to go take this from her. Your bird, Phoebe, your bird privileges are revoked for the duration of the podcast. Um, the funnier part is nobody is going to be nobody's going to be able to. It's like you're going to sound just, insane. You're going to sound like the guy tweeting about the Jews tunneling underneath. His apartment. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. I'm trying. I'm trying Let's to steer away. I am trying. To, I'm trying to bring us down to earth. But shout out to Brad Spielberg. Um, great uh, tweet saying after a two and ten season, it's. It's it's hard to get excited about Vanderbilt, but man, after such a poor season, are they doing some really good stuff uh, in, in the coaching search? Great job in the coaching search. Time to get to this Vanderbilt roster for the 2024 season. What a, what a great transition that was. Trevor, we said we would go through the full class. That's probably not happening. My health is actively deteriorating. I'm getting very tired. Not blaming the C word, but... I'm going to blame it a little bit. Trevor, as my laptop completely blacks out in front of me. Okay. There we go. So I don't know where we're going to go next, but let's just dig into this 2024 class. How do we want to split this up? Do you want to start with the freshmen or do you want to start with the transfers? Freshmen. Okay. Freshmen. So probably in two years, 40% of these guys aren't going to be on the roster. So me and Trevor, I think, are just going to dig into some guys that we think can make significant impacts in their first couple years on campus. Because the way college football is now, it feels a little pointless to get extremely invested in these guys and their development within the program. Because a lot of them, for better or for worse, maybe transfer down, maybe transfer to another Power 5 program. We've seen it happen in front of our eyes in the past couple of years. It's only going to get worse. So there are some guys in this class that stick out. But overall, let me just tell everyone where Vanderbilt ranks in the SEC and nationally. According to 24-7 Sports Composite, Vanderbilt ranks 41st overall in the country. Good job, Clark Lee, Barton Simmons, after a 2-10 season. Good job this class not being a complete disaster. Yes. Vanderbilt is still top 50. It's a respectable class. I'm giving this preface because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say much positive after this. Okay. 41st in the 24-7 composite. Immediately, you're like, that sounds pretty good. That is still by far the worst class in the SEC. By far. It's not even close. According to On3Sports, Vanderbilt's 40th. So pretty similar. 
The next closest team, according to 24-7 sports, closest to Vanderbilt is Mississippi State, ranks 29th overall in the country. According to On3 Sports, the next closest is Arkansas at 27th. Vanderbilt is currently sandwiched overall in the country and on three, according to on three sports between Rutgers and Kansas, mm-hmm. just to give Vanderbilt fans an understanding that right now having the 41st ranked recruiting class in the country is a recipe to go two and 10 and three and nine. Yeah. Regardless of the guys at the top that, that we like, and there are guys in this recruiting class as freshmen that we really like. And some of these guys are very talented. But right now, at this recruiting club, Vanderbilt will never compete in the SEC. And it's only going to get tougher with Texas and Oklahoma. I agree. And that's that's just a pill that Vanderbilt has to swallow. I agree. If, if this class is up to your standards, Vanderbilt will never compete in the SEC. That's Simple just, as that's that. That's just part of it. Getting into it, there are six early enrollees. I don't have that list pulled up in front of me, but one of those guys is the most coveted recruit in this class for Vanderbilt, and that is Dante Carter. A four-star safety from Texas, the number 159 player overall in the country. Mm -hmm. A top 200 player overall any position in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Also, the 13th-ranked safety I believe in the country, according to 24 seven sports, yeah. he's higher ranked on, on three sports yeah. than he is in 24 seven, but I'm still using 24 seven sports. Call me a traditionalist. Shout I, out to our boy, Robbie Wine. I haven't, I have not shifted over to on three fully yet, but I do use them as reference on three has really come. You know who they've on killed? Goated. You know who they've killed? Rivals. ESPN. Oh, well, ESPN was never ESPN's good. been dead, but they've I didn't want to say rivals, but I mean, they've killed rivals. Yeah. It's so much better. It's yeah. so much better. But Dante Carter. Still, hey, subscribe to VandySports.com, but the Rivals recruiting service, uh, that's dead. Yeah, that's, it is. It's just not good. The content on Rivals. Content fantastic. on Rivals, great. But Dante Carter, bringing him up, early enrollee, I think he will be on the field as a freshman. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, Lord, yes. Dante Carter paired with C.J. Taylor. Oh. Just imagine. Oh, dude, paired, dude. With Randon Fontenette? And Randon Fontenette. Oh. We'll get to the transfer class in a second. Randon Fontenette from TCU. There's a little bit more talent in this class as well. Whit Edwards. Yep. Four-star tight end. Not an early enrollee. I'm assuming he's going to play tight end. Yeah. At Vanderbilt. He's he's 6'5", 200. If you have not watched Whit Edwards' junior season huddle highlights, go online right now what a treat i wish we could plug in video in this but i'm not sure how to do that and we don't have a producer so, i don't know how to do that but we don't have a producer don't oh, get up that and do is it. true if we ever get the funds to have a producer <laughs> we will put in live links to video and we can watch huddle highlights and stuff phoebe doesn't have thumbs so she can't yeah phoebe's over there just playing with her bird with I, no I wings and it's, get the bird, but it's just but with edwards i have written down mf dog he's a motherfucking dog the first highlight if you're pulling it up if you haven't pulled it up yet the first highlight on his 2022 junior season huddle highlights is just a fade pass into the end zone Whit edwards is a type of tight end playmaker that vanderbilt has not ever had 
I think Cam Johnson currently on the roster as a tight end does have potential to turn into that as a dynamic speed playmaker tight end. Yes. Whit Edwards is the type of guy you just throw it up to and he goes and gets <laughs> just it. Just let it let him work. We have not had a guy like that in a long time, probably since Jordan Matthews and Chris Boyd and Whit Edwards. No offense to Jordan Matthews. His name will never be taken in vain. No. Whit Edwards is different if he can develop 6'5", 200 as an 18-year-old mm-hmm. with incredible ball skills. This is an NFL tight end, and if there's one position in particular you can talk about at Vanderbilt that they've never really had a dynamic playmaker or star at, it's probably tight end. Jared Pinkney for a little while. Pinkney for up. A couple seasons. Pinkney breaks that a little bit, but hey, I think Whit, Whit Edwards' potential is, is even higher than Pinkney. Let hey, put some put some respect on the greatest to ever wear the number six, Brandon Barden. Okay, Barden. <laughs> I'm not saying they haven't had dogs. I'm saying they've never uh, had a, uh, they've never had a Whit. Edwards. Brandon Barden is not a dog. They've he never, was good, but he wasn't a dog. They've never. Stephen Shoy was good. Stephen oh, Shoy. I forgot but, about Shoy. None of these guys are Whit Edwards. Where would the Stephen Shoy touchdown pass against Ole Miss rank in the greatest plays of Vanderbilt history if Jeff Scott did not run under <laughs> the end zone? You had, you had to bring it up. It had to come in the conversation. Every time I think, I don't actually think of Stephen Shoy that often, but what I do, I think of that play. It was a real canon event for me. <laughs> I've never, I've never had a loss break me that loss, in that similar that way. was that was the worst it didn't loss break ever me it was just gut-wrenching because Vanderbilt was actually good yep it was different than the other gut-wrenching breaking losses where it was like wow we really suck yep. that badly this was like gut-wrenching and we are good and could be vying for an SEC East title yep. and this changes it on Thursday night football opening week of college football gosh god how are we on this topic but Whit Taylor's a dog. Yes. <laughs> Another guy I wanted to bring up, Joshua Raymond, three-star offensive tackle. I think the first Under Armour All-American yeah. offensive lineman that yep. Vanderbilt has had. That is correct. He could be a guy you could see make an impact early. You don't see that often in the offensive line. Got to put on some weight. He de- he needs to put on some weight, but his technique, you don't just get invited to the Under Armour All-American Bowl on a whim. No. He, he's legit. He's a legitimate SEC offensive lineman. If he stays with the program, he will be a starter at some point during his career and a good one at that. Do you know the last Under Armour All-American that Vanderbilt had was an offensive lineman? Linebacker? No. Quarterback? Shermer? Swan. Really? He, he was an Under Armour All-American. Didn't realize that. Yep. Well, that worked out. I remember I remember watching that game and thinking, oh, my God, we got him. <laughs> now I, he's at LSU. I've only got one or two more guys written down to go over. Are there any other names you wanted to bring up in this freshman class before I just kind of rapidly run through these guys? I know I know you'll rapidly run through him, and we didn't want to do sneaky guys. I do have one sneaky guy I want to bring yeah, up. Bring I think, up, bring I think, up uh, what were they called on NCAA 14? Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Glenn Seabrooks third. Like that. Big old, big old boy, nose tackle, going to play three tech, has like a, a almost a 600-pound squat. That's somebody you need up the middle, plugging up the gaps. And I would say Joshua Raymond, in my opinion, is a bit of a hidden gem. He was invited to the Under Armour All-American Bowl. He was written down as my head. He's the lowest ranked player in this class. That's crazy. Overall, even the, So this is kind of an indictment a little bit on the rankings, I think, to an extent. I agree. But he is the lowest ranked player overall, well, by position, 
in this group. He's on the bottom of the list mm-hmm. uh, on 24-7. Another guy I had written down just because the position is so unproven and they've had guys transfer out. I don't even know where I'm clicking around at this point on this shitty laptop. Uh, Johan Cardenas. I think that's how you pronounce yeah. it. Three-star running back. He's another guy. Go watch his huddle highlights. Disagree with me if you would like. Very strong runner. Not incredibly quick or fast. Good feet, but not incredibly quick or fast. Good vision, but not fast enough to be a day one SEC running. You know who he reminds me of? Dallas Rivers. That's actually a pretty good comparison. Dallas Rivers. Reminds me of Dallas Rivers a lot. A good one. You got you got any uh other other guys before I just go as twenty four sevens loading? So we'll run through the no. class from the top here. Dante Carter mentioned him, four star safety, Sim- Simeon Bullware, yep. defensive lineman, three star out of Georgia, Alvin Williamson Jr., a cornerback out of Texas, Callahan Blair, an edge rusher out of Clearwater, Florida, Mason Carter, Jacksonville, Florida, a three-star edge rusher as well, and then a transfer in, but a community college transfer in, tight end Tyler Fortenberry. Only a two-star transfer in, but I think he will be a guy that sees the field immediately. Really? You know why? Why? Vanderbilt has three tight ends on the roster. Oh. Because remember, Ball transferred to Mississippi State. So you have Spence, you have Cam, you have Witt. And Tyler. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you're right. Currently on the roster because Witt Edwards doesn't enroll until the fall. The guys I just read off are the early enrollees. Yeah, you're right. six that I just read off. There are not. That is the position group that is so thin right now. You have a sophomore tight end in Cam Cam Johnson that showed promise. Mm -hmm. You have a true freshman coming in in Witt Edwards. Incredible talent, but a true freshman nonetheless. And then you have Cole Spence coming off an ACL injury. Yeah. Also going to be tough. So the tight end position for Vanderbilt is once again thin and completely unproven. But I think there is talent there this year and hope that 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 could be a make-or-break position when we're previewing the year. The, The ceiling could be... This could be the most dynamic position on this entire offense. Yeah. And the floor can be this could be the worst position on the entire offense. Yeah. And so I think that'll be an interesting thing to track through spring ball. Spring ball, the spring game this year, me and my dad were talking about it, is going to be electric. Yeah. It's actually going to be a lot to watch yeah. in the spring game. We will have a TDR section putting it out there early. If you want to join us to watch the Vanderbilt football spring game, the date hasn't even been announced. Dude, hey, we were electric at the spring game last year. We will be out there. Come join us and let's evaluate this team. Oh. And let's have a hell of a time. We'll have a little practice tailgate or dude, something beforehand. Hey, dude, at it the, should be at, fun. At dude. the spring game last year, we hey, we had a couple of drinks. It was rainy. It was cold. Oh, we, it was were, we were we were we were loud. Everybody silent around us, and we're just we're just raising hell. It was it was fun. This year is going to be. I'm. I think I might bring a notebook out there. Because this year, you're going to be seeing a whole new (laughs) offensive scheme. Yeah. You don't know anything this year. I mean, this is the most unknown we have been about a football team. That's a great point. Since we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. It could be a disaster. It could be a huge improvement. It can't be that much worse. No. That's where I said, is it can't be that much worse. Yeah. All right, let's run through the rest of this class. A little little spring ball throwback, though. Do you remember sitting there and we thought, like, Ethan Barr, like, broke his leg? 
And we were all like, oh, my God, yep. Ethan Barr, he's down. No, no, no. And we were just like, we thought he, like, snapped his leg clean. New Washington linebacker. Yeah. Ish. We'll see how that yeah. goes. I doubt he sees the field. I do, too. Good, good veteran leadership in the locker room. All right, now to the rest of this class. Real heady player. 20, 20 players overall signed in the class of 2024. Six guys enrolling early. The guys I just read off. The rest of these 14 will be enrolling in the fall. Probably get into campus. Did they get to campus in the summer? Yeah. Even if they're fall enrollees? Yeah. I think so. I think so. Could be wrong, but I think so. That's a dumb question. I, I think ask. that's still considered an early enrollee. For summer? I, th- I think so. I don't know. We'll see. But Whit Edwards, we discussed him. Four-star, 17th tight end in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. He's going to be a dog. You'll see oh, him. Oh, oh, oh. I, I would say you'll see him on the field early this year. Bryson Coleman. Another tight end yeah. we forgot to mention. Also 6'5", 200, the 36th ranked tight end, according to 24-7 Sports out of Maryland. Tristan Brown, a wide receiver, kind of a speed guy, five foot nine, one seventy out of Texas, three-star. All these guys are three-stars. Yeah. So, Johan Cardenas, discussed him. Watch his huddle highlights. They're interesting. A little bit hard to evaluate because you never know fully what talent you're playing against. He was playing in Texas, but guys just bounce off of him. So maybe those guys were worried about their calculus exam earlier that day, but he looks like a very strong runner. I think that's going to translate. He's 18 years old. He's six foot two fifteen. He's a unit. Yeah. He's a 1950s refrigerator. Yeah. So I like the Dallas Rivers comparison. I, I really do like that in the most positive way. Mm-hmm. I can spin it. Tate Hamby, safety out of uh, Louisiana. Glenn Seabrooks, you brought him up as your hidden gem out of Nashville, Davidson Academy, defensive lineman, six three. 305. Jeremy St. Hilaire. A He's quor- interesting to me. Local quarterback out of Chattanooga, 6'3 and a half, 215. I, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't evaluated him much. I've been more focused on Nate Johnson. Oh, he killed it in the playoffs. He was he was electric in the playoffs. Very talented guy. I've seen clips on Twitter a little bit, yeah, but I haven't seen a ton of he tore him. up TSSAA. He seemed a little bit like a developmental quarterback. It's one of those we'll see in a year or two. Yeah. Because I think this year it's Nate Johnson. It's Nate Johnson. It's Nate Johnson or bust. If he does. Ty Simpson? I'm just playing. (laughs) I'm just playing. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Next up, Marquise Barrett, wide receiver. Out of Knoxville. Joseph McVeigh, another wide receiver out of Arkansas. Jalen Lackey, a cornerback out of Georgia. Jameson Curtis, a linebacker out of Alabama. Whit Muschamp, another quarterback, also out of Chattanooga, out of the Baylor school. Another guy, a little bit comparable. They're yeah. not the same player, but in the same way, they're developmental quarterbacks. Yeah. Fun fact, I saw him and uh, Will Muschamp at the P.F. Changs on uh, West End. Really? Yeah, so I'm guessing they were on a recruiting visit. I go, why the hell is Whit Muschamp at P.F. Changs? <laughs> I just kept looking at him, and he, like, he... It wasn't busy, so like I just kept looking over my shoulder, and he like knew I was looking at him. I'm like, I know who you. He's are. skinny. Yeah, that. So Will? Wit. Wit. Oh, not sorry. Will I was like, Will Muschamp. Is not not Will Muschamp. Wit. Like, Muschamp. Okay. Oh, lanky kid. Yeah, lanky he's, kid. I actually, until looking at this, I've looked through this class a lot. In my head, Wit Muschamp was always like six four. Yeah, but he's six foot one. Yeah, he's just a buck seventy. Yeah. So I'm not the beefiest guy in the world. I'm six feet tall, a buck 80. 
and I should not be taking hits from SEC SEC uh, linebackers. I'm about, two, I'm about six foot two sixty five, and I shouldn't be taking hits from linebackers. So, <laughs> uh, once again, a developmental guy. Both of them, I think they competed in the state championship. Yeah, I McCallie could be, and yeah, Baylor. Yeah. yeah, they played each other in the state championship. Those are two very talented quarterbacks that down the road, that's what you want. Yeah, is you want to bring in a couple very talented local local three star quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. One of them can develop into potentially a starter. Yeah. That's where you build a developmental program yeah. is the quarterback position. And it's not like Texas or Georgia football, but Chattanooga football's got so like Baylor's always really good. McCallie, always very good. They play a lot of really good teams. Like they'll go down, they'll play IMG. IMG will come up here. They'll play Ensworth, uh, NBA, all those guys. And then to close out this class, a couple offensive linemen, CJ Williams, offensive tackle out of Massachusetts, a physical freak Mm -hmm. probably i don't know enough about offensive line technique i tried to watch some of his highlights i don't know enough about the technique to evaluate anything but he's six foot six 350 pounds as an 18 year old for about to be a freshman coming in he's a high school tackle the the only reason he could possibly be a three-star is if there's technique that needs to be worked on. Yeah. So the size is there. The physicality is there. Like when we talked to Barton Simmons uh, a long time ago, me and Billy did on the pod, they're looking for NFL body types. As an offensive tackle, C.J. Williams, as an offensive tackle, has an NFL body type. So if he can put it together, develop that into a real power five offensive tackle body, Mm -hmm. get the technique down, he could be a dog. Yeah. (laughs) And then we have Joshua Raymond, the guy that I already brought up. Under Armour All-American offensive lineman. Always love to see that. Out of Florida. 6'4 and a half, 265. Needs to put on a little weight, but probably a little more technically developed than C.J. Williams. Yeah. So that would also be why he's the three-star. Yeah. It's it's different reasons. He's a little undersized, but has the technique there. Think you can put on size a little quicker than you can get the technique down. Oh, just, yeah. Just yeah. my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, technique first and foremost. You can always put on a... Four five thirty pounds, especially when you have a six four and a half frame. Oh but, yeah, dude, dude, he can probably. I mean, he they'll probably have him on forty five hundred calories a day, so probably you, more. Actually, they'll probably have him close to like six thousand. Uh, Wendy's, Wendy's. The, uh, uh, oh my god, what did he call it? Double Wendy's double the the double. It's the double burgers, but he called it the Wendy's hole. The Wendy's hole. Yeah. Blake Froman came on and talked about the Wendy's hole. I think his cholesterol was going easy to dig down, hard to dig up. Yeah, as Blake described. But uh, dude, can you just imagine the stank in that dorm room when him? My God, (laughs) when him and uh, Will Holden and all those guys were just absolutely pounding, (laughs) pounding pounding Wendy's. Wendy's. Oh, dude, I bet I bet that dorm stunk. That's tough. (laughs) But I think it's time to jump over to the transfer market because college athletics and college football specifically has changed so much. Yeah. The transfer portal and your transfer recruiting class is almost as important, if not more important, it's more important than your freshman incoming recruiting class. I think it's more important. And Vanderbilt's transfer class, as far as rankings go, is better than their freshman recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people hesitant on this or whatever. The old system has not worked out for Vanderbilt. Recruiting in guys as freshmen, developing them and becoming a I want to end already as a competitive SEC program hasn't worked out. Vanderbilt sucked since the 1950s. 
there's a new landscape of college athletics blooming in front of us. And it seems Vanderbilt is relatively serious about competing in this new landscape. The transfer class hasn't been anything out of this world, but it has been SEC level. Yeah. It's been different than their normal recruiting classes that are power five level, maybe, Mm -hmm. but not SEC level. Vanderbilt currently ranks 10th in the SEC transfer portal rankings, according to, I believe it's on three sports. No, per 24-7, they're 10th in the transfer portal rankings. Overall in the country, sandwiched in between Georgia and SMU. Yeah. That's where you want to be sitting. Yep. You don't want to be sitting between Rutgers and Kansas. No. You want to be sitting between Georgia and SMU. Yep. And that's Georgia with taking away London Humphreys from Vanderbilt. So, Let's dig into this transfer portal class. Let's go ahead and dig into the guys first that transferred out. Let's run through these guys really quick. Junior Azebu, offensive tackle, committed today to USF. Ken Seals, our sweet, sweet prince. Um, I'll forever love you. TCU is going to be my second favorite team. Transferring to TCU, Nash will be happy to hear that. Yep. Jade McGowan. I bet he paid a pretty penny for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaden McGowan, wide receiver, transferring to Boston College. Talk about a a, a weird a, uh, a, a weird scenario for for sweet Jaden. Yeah, initially committed to South Carolina, had some weird stuff. Go Switch over to Boston College. Dericky Wright, safety, transferring to Texas A and M. My sweet prince, Barrett oh. Maddox, offensive tackle, transferring to Marshall. Gamarion Carter, wide receiver, transferring to MTSU. London Humphreys, wide receiver, as we know, transferring to. The Georgia Bulldogs quarterback, A.J. Swan, transferring to LSU to be a backup quarterback. I hope he does well. I I, I, I still think he was a, he's a very talented quarterback. Yeah, I, I still love you, A.J. Walter Taylor also transferring into Colorado to be a backup quarterback. Justin Ball transferring tight end to Mississippi State. Only there to play with his brother. He's not going to see the field. Savion Riley transferring to Miami. I I think he was a big miss, to be honest. I think we should have really we should have been able to retain him, keep him. Yeah, Ethan Barr transferring to Washington as a linebacker. Who cares? Field wide receiver Will Shepard out to Colorado as well with Walter Taylor slash Walter Taylor joining Will Shepard. I think he could contribute for Colorado next year. Mm -hmm. I think they have what the number two ranked recruiting or transfer class in the country. Yeah, Nate Clifton, defensive lineman, committed to USC. And then there are guys that don't yet have homes. Kiva Wesley, offensive lineman. Davion Walker, wide receiver. Cornerback. Our cornerback. <laughs> who cares? Patrick Smith, running back. And Logan Kyle, tight end. That's who Vanderbilt had transfer out. 17 guys overall. Transfers in is when things start to get a little more fun. Oh, Let's yeah. start off with the number one most important commitment. I know where you're going. Jesse Mirko, punter. From Ohio State, baby. We got a dog at good hands, baby. He he heard that Clark Lee quote and said, I'm going to Vandy. (laughs) He said, I have been on this since I was seven years old and had understanding. Vanderbilt should have the best punter and the best kicker almost in the country every year. Have they announced the Ray guy yet? They've got to. I don't think they. I don't know, baby. Ray Guy's punting, yes. right? Yeah, Matt Hayball should get it. He should. Matt Hayball, our sweet, sweet press. Sweet boy. He our said sweet, on Twitter, our sweet we Aussie in, ball. We are in good hands because I believe Mirko is also Aussie. Oh, dude. Shout out to I the could Aussies. Be wrong. Dude, I could be wrong. I could be so wrong. I could be so wrong. I could be so wrong. Look that up. Do not uh, 
Yeah, it says Pro Kick Australia. There we go. Oh, I was right. Oh, there hey. we go. Hey. You want to get it off? No. Okay. Uh, next up, I'm not going to go in the order on three has them because I do, I do not understand the order that they have these guys. In. Uh, I think it's most recent. Is it most recent? Is it? Because Luwak. Maybe, yeah, yeah maybe, it is most recent. It is yeah. most recent. We're not going to go through most recent. We're going to go through most important. So we already got the most important. Yeah, I already got the big guy. Punts, baby. <laughs> we love them. I love big booming legs. But first up, Randon Fontenot. Yeah, mentioned the him, crown jewel. The crown jewel of this class overall. Yep. Ren Fontenet, Dante Edward or Dante Johnson, and Wed Edwards. Those Dante the, Carter. Dante. <laughs> this is what I was you keep, you keep mixing up uh Dante Carter and is, Nate Johnson. This is COVID brain fog. <laughs> they, yep. And I was about to get to the other one. Ren Fontenet, safety from TCU, gonna be a hell of a pair with CJ Taylor. Oh my gosh. It's gonna be incredible. Does this is the secondary like actually? I don't want to get too hopeful because hey, Dan Jackson out. Thank God. Is that is the secondary kind of looking a little? I don't know, a little interesting. It's looking improved. It's looking improved, but also but also from last year is not saying much. Yeah. So it's it's just it's you're going from an F minus to like an F plus. Yeah. <laughs> four star, former four star as a recruit, Fontenet, three star in the transfer portal. He's going to be legit. Yeah. Vanderbilt had to TCU pay. fans were pitching a fifth when he entered the portal, which whenever, like, I think this is a good, uh, then again, it's faulty. Fans are idiots. We, we are idiots ourselves. But whenever fans are, like, happy to see a coach go and you pick him up, that like that's why Nick Howell, and Billy brought this up one time, that's why we should have, like, had an eyebrow raise for Nick Howell because, like, Virginia fans were like, thank God he's gone. Yep. Like, they were, like, thanking the heavens that Nick Howell was gone. The fact that TCU fans, and this transfers to players, the fact that TCU fans were pitching a fit on Twitter and on the boards that Randon entered the portal tells me that they really like that kid. It's always a good sign. It's always a much better sign than when they're celebrating yeah. his exit. Take Nate- note, Washington fans. Exactly. Now on to the, I would say one A is Randon Fontenot, one B in this transfer portal class, Nate Johnson. Yeah, I the highest that. ranked transfer that they have in this entire class. I believe it's what eleven guys yeah. that they picked up in the transfer so. portal. Nate Johnson, former Utah quarterback, last year saw a little bit of time as the quarterback at, during an injury situation that Utah had. Overall, his stats as a passer, a little bit shaky. Uh I would say Nate Johnson's a shaky passer, even though he's a great athlete and a four-star. His stats from last year, 39 of 72, 499 yards, 54% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no picks. Now on the ground, Nate Johnson's stats, 59 carries, 235 yards and four touchdowns, including one of which I believe he had like a 70-yard touchdown run Yeah, I guess last Florida. season. Nate Johnson has wheels. Yeah, He is a different quarterback than Vanderbilt fans have seen since Chris Nixon, maybe. Mike Wright. Yeah, Mike yeah. Wright, but he's even a different type. Mike Wright is a great straight-line runner. Nate Johnson. Larry is, Smith, probably. But yeah, Larry Smith, was a, he was an okay runner. That is true. He yeah, that Larry is Smith true. was never a great runner. Yeah, probably my, outside of Mike Wright. I, probably, I think you're right. Probably Nixon. Probably Nixon. I don't the, know, dude. McKenzie Adams. Nate Johnson. Wheels. I like 
Mike Wright's running ability. I believe Nate Johnson's running ability is a different level yeah. for Mike Wright's. Nate Johnson is going to be one of those guys that we are either over the top as fans complaining about by game five or six, or we are saying this is the savior of the program by game five or game six. It's all going to come down to how he fits in Tim Beck's offensive scheme. Yeah. And if he can throw a higher completion percentage than we saw last season. Yeah. He's never gotten a full opportunity as the starting quarterback from day one. Uh So Nate Johnson, here's your shot. Yep. This is your chance. Run with it. This is why I am so excited about the spring game. He's an early enrollee, right? So he will be played. I already in Nashville. He's already here. This is the guy to watch during the spring game. Vanderbilt football season goes as Nate Johnson goes. I totally agree. So I I said it was one A and one B. I think Nate Johnson is actually after I've talked through it. I think he's won by a long shot in this class because it all starts with quarterback. That's just the way of football. Now that you say that, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. And he's going to have a few weapons that have come in in this class. Some interesting weapons. Jeremiah Dillon, Ole Miss wide receiver. Didn't play last season. Mm-hmm. We've never seen him play a college football mm-hmm. snap. He was redshirted last season as a freshman, a three-star, coming out of high school, not extremely highly touted, but a talented guy. Yeah, It's not really much to evaluate about him. Not, we haven't seen college really, film. Know, yeah. Also bringing Loic Fuegino Fuengi from Texas Tech. Big body. Big body bins. Big body receiver. As a Texas Tech wide receiver last season, six catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns, a red zone target. Yeah. Uh, he's a good compliment, I think, to Jeremiah Dillon and Quincy Skinner Jr., mm-hmm. who yeah. I think is going to play a significant role. It would be nice to have one or the other of London Humphreys or Jaden McGowan. Yeah. But I'm wondering if Junior Sherrill is going to take that. Who over. I was just about to bring up. But remember, the forgotten man, Junior Sherrill. Yep. I think there's a lot of growth and improvement that we can see from Junior Sherrill, and I think he is potentially as kind of that slot guy filling the role of McGowan or Humphreys. I think he can do just as good or better than those guys. So I would I think agree, yeah. The Vanderbilt receiving room, even though they lost supposedly the two most valuable guys, I think could even take a step forward. This yeah. season, if everything plays out right, but Tim Beck's scheme is not the same. Mm-hmm. Tim Beck is a run scheme. Mm-hmm. You're going to run the ball 60, 65% of the time. So it's going to be a completely different offense for Vanderbilt fans to watch. Zalen Wood, MTSU local transfer here. Yeah. Very talented defensive lineman. I think he'll probably play defensive end. You know, I, I don't know much about his game, but just looking at his body, like how his build is, do you know who he reminds me of? Just from a strictly aesthetic standpoint. Caleb Azubake. Really? His he his McGavick. From a from a body type, just strictly aesthetics, looks like Caleb Azubake. Caleb Azubake was the one that wore the uh the contacts. High, oh my those. gosh. Caleb Azubake was a four star locally here out of McGavick. He was so, so good until Derek Mason ruined him. If Zalen Wood can come in and give the production of Caleb Azubake, that could be a great compliment to Wataha, to Darren Agu, mm-hmm. to guys that they currently have Braden Babs, to guys that they have on that. Yeah, line, Bradley so. Mann. Yep. They, there's a lot of potential there. Colby Taylor, transfer cornerback from Wyoming. He's going to definitely need to make an impact. There's yelling outside of our apartment, so it's distracting uh, Trevor currently. They're just smoking cigs out there. Do you want to go join them? I would love to go rail a cig right now. Uh, Steven Lasoya, interior offensive lineman, transfer from Mississippi State. Corday Sidnor, 
Defensive lineman transferred from Purdue. I think that's a guy that'll make a pretty, pretty quick and significant impact. Mm-hmm. Six foot five, two sixty-five, gonna play edge probably. Definitely provides that size on the edge that Clark Lee is looking for and the staff. We already went through Nate Johnson. Another quarterback transferring in, Blaze Berlowitz. Also from New Mexico State, Vanderbilt plundering New Mexico State. <laughs> Vanderbilt is currently. New Mexico State. East. Yeah, how we are complaining about teams using Vanderbilt as a farm system. Vanderbilt is using New Mexico there State are natural success sounds. as the Conference USA success. Vanderbilt is absolutely ravaging that New Mexico State coaching staff and roster. Marlon Jones, cornerback transfer from Eastern Washington. Let's hope he can make an impact. We already mentioned Jeremiah Dillon and Lewick. Foundio, Foundy. We're, yeah, we're going to need a phonetic spelling. Of yeah, name. there's some brutal names in this class, but I did my best. Trevor, you did your best. How are you feeling overall about this class and this transfer class? Putting it all together. What's the overall vibe? What we said after the season ended with the way that Clark Lee and Vanderbilt is going to have to attack the portal is going to have to be like no other way they've done it before. Previous seasons, just bringing two, three, four guys. Clark Lee has been very adamant that he is anti-portal. That is not how he wants to build his team. He wants to be a developmental program. I think Clark Lee finally realized developmental programs cannot work in this age of college football. Developmental programs, you're going to get pillaged by the portal, and you don't want to bring in guys out of the portal that are developmental that you need to develop either because – Portal guys, really, the clock is ticking on them. You know what I'm saying? It's a mercenary contract. It is. So I, I'm, I'm very, very, very happy with this portal because I think I don't think I know based on this portal bringing in 11 guys. Clark Lee finally got the message. You're gonna have to bring in. We said seven or eight guys. They brought in 11. They brought in 11 guys. I'm very, very excited with this portal class. Yeah. Overall, I would say I like the portal class. I don't love it. I like it. For what we heard about the funds they had to spend, a little underwhelming. That's fair. I'm going to be honest, a little underwhelming. One four-star transfer. That's it. I mean, I, I'm i not – it's not over. There's more time in the transfer portal, I believe. Isn't there? Or is it uh, over? It, it, for Bama, it's like the next 60 yeah. days. But the overall, they filled holes, filled needs – but it isn't a transfer class that's going to elevate Vanderbilt to being a truly competitive football team. It's a good step in the right direction, 30th in the country, but 30th in the country is 30th in the country in the transfer portal. A lot of that has to do with how many guys Vanderbilt brought in. Yeah. They brought in 11. A Most, lot of it's just numbers exactly. in terms of bodies. The, the, the quantity was good. The quality, we'll see. It's I'm not wanting to shit on it because I think it has good potential. The recruiting class, also, it's fine. There are guys on there that I think will make impacts. Mm-hmm. I mentioned them by name specifically. But overall, a very forgettable recruiting class mm-hmm. as as it goes. And I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope this turns out to be the class that changes Vanderbilt football. I don't see it. I don't see the overall number of dynamic playmakers that are going to come in. Because even the guys that you view as blue chip, blue blood, four, five star prospects, Best case is a 40 to 50% hit rate. Best case yeah. is actual significant impact players. And right now, Vanderbilt maybe has two, three, four of those type guys in this class. If you include the transfer portal, maybe four of those guys. So best case you're saying you got two real 
star impact players out of this class. Mm-hmm. Just not going to get it done in the SEC. It's yeah. just not. And it, every other school has eight to ten guys coming in that they believe are like that. 50% are going to hit. They have four to five. And that's where I Vanderbilt is where they are. Yeah. It's it's just it's up to par for a an average power five football program. It's not up to par for an average SEC football program. It just is what it is. So yeah, I agree. On that note, anything else to add before we close that episode two fifty five? No, sir. I was looking to see if Phoebe was doing anything. Phoebe's funky. up on top of the bookshelf. Yes, yeah, very high up. For Phoebe the producer. Myself, Will Byram, and my co-host, Trevor Hewlin. This has been episode 255 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.